The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Mark Safti in honor of Meyer and Victoria Safti, Hashem Ishmael Behayim, on the birth of a new baby girl, Devasha, Devora, Bat Mazal, Behek, Yireh Elohim Tinaten, Amen. Amen. Daf Yud Bet. Today's daf is being studied. Le'elu Nishmat Marat Zekenati, Yafa Bat Sarah. Le'elu Nishmat Mor Zekeni. Yosef ben Sarah, will be Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem tenichem begin Eden. Amen. Will fuach shenemam Moshe ben Dina Sarah Ruhama Batrachel Sarah Batrachel. Hein na refer lehem. Fata nefesh ufata guf ufata kerebalabo. Vechen yiratzov enomar. Amen. We are on Yud Aleph Amud Bet, and we are up to the derasha vatirena. The last word on the line. About uh, 15 lines, 15 lines up, we're talking about the story of the Miyaledot, the Jewish midwives. We had a machlok and actually who these midwives were. Either they were Yochevet and Miriam, or they were Yochevet and her daughter-in-law, Elisheva. So the Pasuk says that they did not listen. So it says that the Midwives did not listen, had fear of God, and they did not listen Now, the Gemara's question is that Alehen is mashma alashon of bi'ah, as a relations. Uh, like the Pasuk says, Vayavo eleha. So the Gemara says, Lahin It shouldn't say, it should say in the Pasuk that the midwives feared God. Velo asuka should be bed lahin to them. Alehin is mashma something regarding a relation. So the Gemara says, Amar be Yosef be Hanina melamed shetavan ledvar avera velo nitbiu. Paro actually solicited shifran pua for an avera. Velo shama alehin. They did not listen to Paro regarding the bia the avon that he wanted to commit with them. The reason why he would do that is, he figured that once he goes with them, so now they'll be, they'll be close to him, and they'll listen to his, uh, his will, to kill the Jewish children. And they could imagine the pressure that they were under, this is the king. And still they did not uh, uh, you know, buckle, they had fear of God. They did not listen for the bi'a. And they gave life to the children. Tana, lo dayan shelo emitu otan ela shayu maspikot lahen maim umazon. Not only didn't they kill the children, but they brought life to the children. They provided them water and sustenance. That's what the pasuk says. Vatehayena etayladim. They actually gave the children life. Vatoman nam yaledot el paro ki lo chenashim. And when paro came along and said, "Hey, what's going on over here? I mean, listen." So their excuse was, which means the Jewish children, the Jewish wives, are not like the Egyptian wives. They are hayot. Now the Gemara's question now is, what is the word hayot? What was their excuse? So the Gemara says, my hayot, hayot mamash. If you mean to say that they were saying that the Jewish wives, all of them are like midwives. Meaning all of them are experienced Doesn't a midwife need another midwife to help them give birth? Which is, even if a person is a midwife, you still need somebody else to 
to help you. So therefore, that, that, that excuse doesn't hold. But they're coming along and telling about her, they're all midwives. So what? They still need somebody to... Their claim was that for some reason the Jewish women, they give birth on their own. They don't need any help. So what does Hayot mean? They told Paro, Umazu Kihayanim Shela. So no, they're like, this, this nation, the Jewish people, have been compared to animals. For example, Yehuda, Gur Ariyeh, Dan, Yehidan Nahash, Naftali, Ayala Shiluha, it's a gazelle, Yesachar, Hamorgarim, Yosef, Bechor Shoro, Binyamin, Zeev Yitraf, right? A wolf, Dichtid Be. Now the ones that are explicitly have an animal attached to them, okay, fine. And the ones that do not have an animal attached to them, we have a general pasuk. The pasuk said to like a, a lion. And therefore, just like an animal doesn't need uh, anybody to help them, assistance when they're giving birth, so to the Jewish ladies, they give birth like animals, which means they don't need any help. So that before we get to them, they're already have given birth already. Good? Actually, Jewish people in this passage refer to a lioness. It would be a livia. So as a result, God rewarded the Yaledot for the fear of God, and He made for them homes. So the Gebra says, Rav Shmuel, Had Amar Batik that the families of the Kohanim and the Vim descended from them. The Hadamar Batim Malchut. And others say it was the kings that descended from them. That's right. Which means from Yochevet came Aaron Moshe. Aaron is uh, the Kohanim and Moshe is the Vim. David Amelech actually descended from Miriam. That's already Batim Malchut. It says that uh, a lady called Azuba died. Azuba was actually the wife of Kalev. Kalev was married. Kalev ben Yifune was actually married to Miriam. And uh, her name was, a lot of names for these people besides the names that we're familiar with. They called her Azuba. Azuba means somebody that was uh, left. Um, uh, she was Azuf. She was... Uh, uh, neglected, so to speak. She was abandoned. Miriam was a very sick woman. And therefore, everybody abandoned her. Nobody wanted to marry her. Nobody wanted to, you know, to get involved. So it says, they called her Azuba, the abandoned one. So, So, um, he took a lady called Efrat. Now, the Gemara is going to tell us that Efrat is also another name for Miriam. Efrat is What do you mean? She got better. She had a nifu'ah if they, they got married. And she went back to, oh, to, 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 to a healthy self. And they had hur. Now we know hur from the Torah. Bitzalel ben Uri ben Hur. That was uh, Bitzalel's grandfather. And who's Hur's mother now we're seeing was Miriam. Now continue. David ben Ish Efrati. And the Pasuk refers to David as the son of Efrati. Now, we just said Efrat was the name of Miriam. So Efrati means he actually descended from from uh, from, uh, from Miriam and Caliph. So therefore, you see that kings kings came out as well. It's interesting to note over here. It comes out, uh, according to the uh, calculations uh, that they make over here, um, according to the calculations, it makes... Uh, sense according to the years that Kalev must have gotten married at about eight years old. Because in the year that he went to do the spy mission, Kalev, he was 40 years old. And we know that Betzalel, his grandson, right, Betzalel bin Uri bin Hur, Lamate Yehuda, actually was Hur's grandson, it was Kalev's great grandson. Kalev. Right, and then Hur, and then uh, Uri, and then uh, Betzalel. Betzalel was like 12 years old when he built the Mishkan. So that means he was ready, and the Mishkan was built in the uh, second year. So make the Hezbonot already. In the second year, uh, when he was 40 years old, already he had a great-grandchild that was 12, 13 years old. 
says in a very short amount of time, he brought uh, many generations to the world. So to make this whole calculation, and he must have been very young, like eight years old, when he started having uh, children. But that's neither here or there. The point is, why would this be the reward for the Yochev and the Miriam? Because they uh, saved the children, so they got the houses. Houses of Kehunah, Leviyah, Malchut. So the Mepharshim say, because they saved the boys. And our religion... Judaism doesn't go after the boys. Judaism goes after the Jewishness, goes after the mother. What is what goes after the father? Lineage. The lineage meaning Kohanim, Leviim, Malchut, that's decided by the father. So therefore, even if the mother's a Kohanit and the father's Israel, the kids are Israel. Right? That uh type goes after the father. So therefore me that can be that. You save the boys. So your reward is you're going to have to, uh, uh, a lineage that goes after the boys, Kohanim, the Vim, and the uh, Malchut. Comes the as the Briskerov says. Comes the uh, Gemara and says. Now the Gemara is going to be Doresh a little uh, from the book of Devarah Yamim. Devarah Yamim talks about the different history of our people, and a lot of times in Devarah Yamim the names that you see over there are not familiar at all to us. But according to the Gemara, a lot of those names are repeats. People that we know already, just that in Devarah Yamim, the Pesukim uh, discussed uh, different aspects of their personalities and therefore chose different names to refer to them. So the Pesuk says over here, Kalev bin Hesron. There was a fellow Kalev, well, Kalev we know. Bin Hesron. And right away, we know Kalev as Ben Yefuneh. And here the Devarah uh, Yamim is calling him Ben Hesron. Holid et Azuba. He gave birth to Azuba. We just learned earlier he married Azuba. Now it's saying he bore Azuba, Isha, as a wife, ve'et yiri'ot and yiri'ot, ve'ele baneha, and these are the children that they had, and their children's names are Yesher, ve'shovah ve'ardon. So the Gabbara's question is, ben Hasron, ben yifunehu. Why, why did the Pasuk refer to him as Ben Hasron? We know he's Kaleb Ben Yifune. So the Gemara says, Ben Shepana Me'asat Meragelim. Yifune really wasn't his father's name. Yifune really means the one that turned away. He turned away from the idea of the, of the, from the plot of the spies. So really, Kaleb's father's name was Hasron. Kaleb Ben Hasron. But we call him Yifune as a nickname, as the one that turned from the uh, plot of the spies. So comes the Gemara and says, Ben Kenazu. So wait. Still it's wrong. We know that he was the son of Kenaz. Kalev. Kalev ben Kenaz. Who's Kenaz? So the Gibbara says, Dikhtiv, Vayilkeda Otniel ben Kenaz, Ahi Kalev. There was a leader in Klaisel, his name was Otniel ben Kenaz, who was a great Tamil Khatam. And the Pasuk refers to Otniel ben Kenaz as a brother of Kalev. So Otniel ben Kenaz, that means Kenaz was the father of Otniel and of Kalev. So really, how could you tell me his father was Hesron, and his father was Kenaz? That's the last question. Amar Chorgo de Kenaz Hava. He was his half-brother. Which means, um, his father got, uh, uh, his mother got remarried, and therefore, they had the same, uh, the same mother, and therefore, it calls him uh, Ben Kenaz. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Chorgo de Kenaz, bottom line of Rashi. Ben Ishtoshil Kenaz Hayakalev Vinimsa Otniel Ahiv Meimo. So really his father was indeed Chesron. Uh, and the Gibra says, Daika Namif. Makes sense to say like this. Dikhtir Akinizi Shmat Minna. It doesn't say Ben Kenaz when it comes to Kalev. It calls him the Kenizi. Otniel, it refers to him as Ben Kenaz. He was the son of Kenaz. But Kalev, it calls him Ben Hakinizi, you know, the one of Ken, uh, you know, the one that was related to Kenaz, which is not calling him the son; it's calling him he was uh, related. It was his stepfather, correct? Okay, he grew up in his house. That's the point. He was raised uh, by <coughs> Azuba Azumriam. Well, now the pasuk says that he took Azuba. Who's Azuba? Miriam. Velama nekra shema Azuba. Okay, they all left her. Why did they leave her? As she says in the second line, right? In the beginning, she was sick. But I was going to say she was green, she was sick, she was weak. Nobody wanted to marry her. 
which means Why does it say he gave birth to? It says Holidit Azuba. It should say he married her. Anybody that marries a lady, Lashem Shawam, like Kalev did, he saw that she was a Sadiqit. Actually, she saw, he followed the rule. He saw the brothers. The brothers of Miriam is Moshe and Aaron. Therefore, he wants uh, the Sigulav, but the rabbis tell us that you know, when you marry, you look at the wife's brothers and you see, uh, you know, uh, the Sadiqim. So, therefore, she did Lashem Shamayim. Oh, so since he did Lashem Shamayim, uh, well, the reason why they said that is because the majority of the children go after and become like the mother's brothers. Rov Banim Ulchim Achar Ahehaim. So that's what he did. He went to look at such a thing and uh, the Shabbat was as if he gave birth to. Which is a big zikhut. Yidi'ot, now he refers to as Yidi'ot, you know those like curtains. That's a reference to Miriam. What do you mean she was like a curtain? So it says, Shayu Paneh Domim Liyidi'ah, or Liyidi'ot. Curtains before they were dyed. She had a very pale complexion. That was part of her sickness. She didn't have any color, no redness in her face. Ve'ele Baneha. And these were her children. Altikle Baneha Ela Boneha. These are the traits that built her. Meaning, her husband, Caleb, was a tzaddik, which built her. Which means when a, when a lady marries a tzaddik, so obviously that reflects also on her. So these are the qualities that Caleb had that actually were uh, a building for her, a constructive uh, concept for her. What were they? Yeshir, she yeshir et atzmo. Yeshir, he straightened himself out from going, from turning off on the idea of the meragelim. Shovav, she shivev et yitzro. Shivev et yitzro, which means he, um, I guess he uh, rebelled, we'll say, against his inclination, also when it came to the meragelim. He was disobedient, right? He didn't pay attention. He didn't listen. The Erdon, Erdon was referred to, Shirada et Yitzro. Okay, Rada was he uh, subjugated his Yitzrara, right? Disciplined it, good. Not to turn from today. So these are all names giving the uh, traits of Kalev. And say that her face, she was called the Erdon. Because uh, her face was similar to a uh, verid. What would be a, uh, a verid? It was like a rose. Which can, she had a um, redness after she was healed. And before she was healed, she was uh, white or pale or green. After she was healed, she got a color back. Her face was, she was ardon. She looked like a uh, rose. Ul ashur abi Give us according to Pasuk now. They're also in the Vrayamim. Ul Ashur Abite Kawa Ayushete Nashim Hela Vinaara. Who's Ashur? Who's who, who are these people? Gemara Ashur is a caliph. Ashur is actually caliph, another name for caliph. Because his face became blackened from fasting, that he shouldn't uh, fail in the Aitzah of the Miragilin. Seems he knew that uh, they were up to something big. He didn't want to get caught into their trap. So he fasted. Many fetaniyot, so they called him Ashur. The one that's face became blackened from the, uh, from the ta'aniyot, from the fasts. Abi, shena'asa la ke'ev. Which means, uh, it calls him Avi Tekawa. What is uh, Avi Tekawa referring to? So he says over here, shena'asa la ke'ev. He became a father to Miriam. Because she was sick. So he needed to nurse her, he needed to tend to her and all that. So he's considered a father. Ke'av. And the Pasuk says, Tekawa, she'takait libo le'aviv shemashamayim. Again, takah, he, um, he strengthened, or Tekawa means he planted himself strong in the service of his father in heaven, not to get drawn after the answer of the Miragirim. Hayu she'tenashim. So he had two wives. Naasa Miriam Kishte Nashim. It was Miriam actually. Miriam was like two wives. Right? Which means she was in one stage of her life. She was sick. And then she became healed. She was like a. She went back to becoming like a young lady. Was she two ladies? Gibraltar says yes. 
Initially, she was she was sick. And then if she got better, she became like a Nera, she became young again. And the children of Chela, Seret, Vesohar, Veetnan. These are the children now. So the Gibbara says, Seret, Shena'asit Sarah, Lahavruteha. These are all names of Miriam, by the way. These are all her traits. She became a Tsara to her uh, friends, which means her friends became jealous of her. After she got better, she was very, very pretty. And therefore, there was a, she became a tzara. She became like a, uh, a uh, uh, right, like, like a co-wife that's jealous of each other. So therefore, that's what she was uh, to her friends. That she says, they were, in ba- they were jealous of her beauty. After she got better, her face was glowing like the sun in the afternoon. Etnan, etnan could also mean a gift. Why would they call Miriam etnan? Anybody that would see her, the pleasure would arouse in him, so he would go appease his wife and give his wife a gift, a matana, itnan. Because the ta'ava would get into the person by looking at the beauty of Maryam, so he would want to be with his wife. So he'd go over now, appease his wife, and give his wife a gift. Okay. Now we go back to the Dirashot, if we finish with Kalev and Miriam and all that uh, business, we go back now to some of the Dirashot by Paro and the Gezerot that he made against Klai Yisrael. Now, the Gezerot we're discussing over here is Vaisab Paro lechol Ammo lemor kol habbena yilod hayora tashlichu. Right? Any boy that was born, which means the first plan was that to kill them on the birthing stool. That was the first plot. That was in order to limit the population. Right? They worried about the population explosion. So therefore they said, okay, we're going to kill the, we're going to kill the boys. Incidentally, uh, they wanted the girls to remain alive. Uh, the Mepharshim said because the Egyptians were shetufezima. They were involved in immorality, so they wanted to defile the Jewish girls. That's why specifically in that Gezerah, they said keep the girls alive. If you think about it, it makes no sense. If you want to limit the population, you kill the girls. You don't keep the girls alive because even though you don't, you have a limit of population of boys. Each boy can go and marry many wives, and uh, have uh, you know bring many uh, children into the world. So therefore, you see that they had an immoral uh, plot as well to take the Jewish girls and defile them, which of course never came to fruition. Uh, the girls did not. Uh, that was one of the things that they were shumer themselves on. In any event, this is by Sappar Ali Kol Ammo Amar Biyusmir Bichalina Af Al Ammo Gazar. We see over here that he even made a gezera on his on his own people. The Gezra started with the Jewish people, and then it ended even on uh, on the Muslim. They have to take their kids and throw them into the uh, into the water. The Amar, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Halina, Shalosh Gezerot Gazar. Okay, there were three Gezerot basically that Paro ruled against the Jewish people. Number one, Betchila Im Benu Vamiten Oto. That's the killing the children, the boys at the birth stool. Ulbesov Kol Ben Ayilod Hayora Tashlichu. That's taking all the Jewish boys and throwing them into the Yor. And then the last one was Even on his nation, he was going there. We'll see exactly why. But you see the Gezerah even applied to the uh, Egyptians as well. Because we're going to see that uh, on the day that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was born, uh, the Tzadagninim, the stargazers of Paro said, we saw that the, uh, the uh, leader that's going to take the Jewish people out of Egypt was born. We're not sure if he's Jewish or Egyptian. See, they, they, they didn't see good because he wasn't raised in Paro's house. So they, 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 the clarity of their vision was not so good. They didn't know if he was Jewish or Egyptian. They, you know, Paro said, kill all the Egyptian boys as well. Just so for sure, we're able to root out the Jewish uh, Moshiach. Okay, okay, now we discuss uh, the birth of Moshe Rabbin. So this is the man from Levi came, that's Amram. And he took a lady from Levi, right? That was his aunt actually, which was a lady called Yochevet. et Bat Levi. So the brother says, Lehechan Alach. It says, Bayelech. Where did he go? It says, Amar Abuda Barzvina Shalach Ba'atzat Bito. He followed the advice of his daughter. It's the famous story over here where he was married to Yochevet, but then divorced and then got remarried. Tana Amram Gadol Ador Hayah. He was the Gadol Ador, and everybody would listen to him because he's the Gadol Ador. You know, everybody would listen to his uh, rulings. Kevan, um, what's that? Gima in the Hagahot. Kevan Shegazar, Paro Arasha, 
Right, once they made the Gezerah, they have to throw all the boys in the water. Amari said, Lashav anu amelim. What are we doing? We're, 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 we're wasting our time having children. What are we bringing children into the world for? To kill them? Amad v'girish et So he got up and he divorced his wife. Amdu kulan Everybody got up as well, but he followed them. Gedol ador. And they also divorced their wives. Amra lo bito. So Miriam came to her father and said, Abba, your gezerah is even more harsh than Paro. Paro Told her, father, three claims. Number one, your gizra is worse because you're going to kill the, the girls also. But all is only going after the boys. Your gizra by abstaining and having children, you're taking away the girls as well. Number two, but all's gizra is in this world. But your gizra already affects Ulam Abba because the child, in order to get Ulam Abba, has to come down to this world first. If the neshama doesn't come down here, can't I go to Ulam Abba? So therefore, you're taking away the eternity of these children. And number three, Paro's Gezerah, we're not sure it's going to be even fulfilled. Your Gezerah, you're a tzaddik. If you say it's going to be fulfilled. So it says, what happened? Ahmad v'yazir et He went, he took back his wife. So he listened to the argument of his daughter. Amdu kulan v'yazir et Everybody else listened again. And they took back their wives. V'yikach v'yazor v'yazor So if that's the pasuk, the pasuk shouldn't say v'yikach. Uh, it should say, He No, he made her another wedding, like it was the first time. Which means, he put her in an apirion. Apirion is like a carriage. They used to put the kalot in, and then they got married. They made a wedding. And their children, Aaron and Miriam, were dancing in front of the new couple uh, that were married already, right? But they got remarried. And the Malachesh was singing, The mother of the children who is uh, happy. So therefore you see what? You see that indeed, that, that's why it says, He took her in the second marriage, he made it like it was the first Likuhin. And therefore he made the Simcha, the Apirion, and the whole Simcha. Uh, uh, okay, so he married Amram, the daughter of Levi. If Shar bat mea well, Miriam, uh, Yochev at this point was 130 years old. It's hard to refer to her as Bat Levi, the daughter of Levi. I mean, she was already, you know, on standards, but it could be she considered like an old lady. So what does it mean, Bat Levi? This was um, Yochev that on the way down to Egypt, when the Yaakov and his family came down to Egypt, she was Levi's daughter. So Levi's wife conceived her on the road, and she gave birth on the border. As they entered Egypt, she was actually the 70th soul. Because it says 70 souls came down to Egypt, she was the 70th. Right, the Levi bore her in Mislaim. So the Gemara says, Her birth was in Mislaim. But her conception was not in Mislaim. Her conception was on the road. And we can calculate it that she was actually... 130 years old at this point when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, very simply. We know the Jewish people were in Messiah for 210 years. We know Moshe Rabbeinu was 80 when uh, he took him out. So therefore, 210 uh, minus 80 is 130. That means at this point when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, it was 80 years before the redemption. So that puts uh, Yochevet uh, at 130 years old. There's a famous uh, Ibn Ezra that asked the question, you know, she gave birth 130 years old. That's a phenomenal uh, miracle. How come the Torah doesn't make such a big deal of it like it makes it of Sarah? You know, when Sarah had a, a, a baby at 90, yeah, that was already big news. How come the Torah doesn't make a big deal that you have had Moshe at 130 years old? Ibn Ezra answers that that was common in those days. In, in Sarah Emenu's time, that, uh, that was a relatively, it was, a, it was a miraculous thing. Therefore, the Torah makes a point of it. But already in Mislayim, the ladies were giving birth even at that old age, so if it wasn't uh, noteworthy like in the times of Sarah. The reason why it's called Bat, which means Bat uh, Levi, because she was like a she was like a girl, which means she became rejuvenated. She got her blood of Nida back, all the wrinkles of her face 
went away. So therefore they considered like a daughter. Even though she was 130 years old, Bat Nevi, she went back to becoming fresh. Vatar Aisha Vatil Ibn. says, and she gave birth and she had a child. Right. The problem is over here. It says, he got remarried to Yochevet. It says, she conceived Vatar Vatilid. Now we're going to learn the Gemara that the conception of Moshe Rabbeinu was actually when they were married the first time. She was already pregnant with Moshe for three months. Then they got divorced. Then they got married. So therefore the Pasuk is not accurate when it says that they got remarried, she conceived and gave birth. No, no, she didn't conceive at that. She was already pregnant from before. So the Gemara says, Amar of Yehudah bar Zivina, Makish ledata lehorata. Ma horata shilo betzahar, af ledata shilo betzahar. They just tried to tell you that it's comparing the time of conception or the time of her birth to the time of conception. That when she had Moshe, there was no pain, just like at the time of conception. Therefore, you're right, she conceived earlier. But we're putting Vatar Vatilin together to show you that she was a tzaddik at Yochevin. That just like the conception was painless, so too the birth was also painless. Mikan Nashim Tzadkaniyod here we learn that the righteous ladies, they are not included in the punishment of Chaba. Which means uh, they give birth without any pain, because the pain of childbirth came from where? From the curse of Chaba. And therefore there are ladies that, uh, there was one lady specifically, that there was, uh, his story, just so you know that the, the concept exists, that a lady, that the doctors told us she has to remain in bed the entire ninth month. Why? Because she had no birth, birth labor pains. She would not even feel when the baby, the baby would just come out. So therefore you see there are certain ladies that they're not even involved in the curse. Uh, obviously, Yochebet was one of them. So Moshe Rabbeinu was born. So what does the Pasuk say? She sees that he is good. So I'm saying that was his name. She named him Tov. Kitovu. Gemarah says... Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Tuviya Shemo. Actually, his name was Tuviya. Tovya. Rabbi Nehemiah Omer, Hagun Leneviut. Tov means she saw that he would be befitting and worthy for prophecy. She saw Ruach HaKodesh, and he's going to be Ra'ui for prophecy. Aharim Omrim, Nolad Keshihu Mahud. He was born circumcised. Vatere Otoki Tovu. He was complete. He did not need a circumcision. When Moshe Rabbeinu was born, the whole tent became filled with light. It says in Bereshit, Kitov. So you see what? Tov is referring to the light. Now, he, she, she hid Moshe Rabbeinu for three months. Why? Now, the Chawra, how did she get uh, these three months? They thought that she conceived once they got married the second time. So they started counting the nine months from the marriage. They didn't know that she was already pregnant three months before. Three months prior. So therefore, she gave birth nine months. But after six months already, after the second marriage, that's when Moshe Rabbeinu emerged. They didn't come and inspect the house until three months later. That's why she had three months where she was able to hide Moshe until the third month. He, she, they took her, took Moshe and they had to you know, put him in the Yamsuf. But that's, that's why you have that gap of three months, because they didn't realize that she conceived uh, before the, uh, during the first marriage. Good? Says, she couldn't hide him anymore. Says, why not? Amai. Let her, why can't she continue hiding? Let her continue hiding and go. Anytime a, the Egyptians would hear that a child was born, they would bring little children, little Egyptian children over there. So they would start crying. And that would cause the kids that were in hiding to cry. When a baby hears another baby cry, they also cry. So that was their method of rooting out all the uh, Jewish children. They would bring little Egyptian children, cause them to cry, 
and the obviously hear some crying coming from the closet. So they were able to tell that somebody's uh, somebody's there. So therefore, they knew that the inspector is going to come soon. So therefore, she had to take Moshe Rabbeinu out and uh, put him somewhere else. Dikhtiv, like it says in the Pasuk, when the Jewish people came out of Mislaim, Ehezulanu, Shu'alim, Shu'alim, Khitanim. Right? Kiramim. It says, Ehezulanu. It says, they, uh, the Egyptians, that is, they, um, right? They brought these little foxes. Who are these little foxes? These little Egyptian children, they brought into the houses, Mehabbelim Kiramim. The ones that destroy the vineyard. They came and brought these little Egyptian children to destroy the children of Klai Yisrael. Okay, she took a teva, uh, she made an, a little uh, box to put Moshe Rabbeinu in it. The box was made out of gome. Gome is reeds. Very cheap, like a wicker basket. So the Gemara says, Why did she choose gome? Why is it such a cheap item? Their money is precious to them. And therefore, she didn't want to spend on regular wood. She spent a cheaper thing. Now, obviously, she did not risk Moshe Rabbeinu's life. There's no chokmah to save money to risk uh, the child's life. Ella, uh, without risking his life, but she used a, uh, you know, an either like you say, was sufficient. Now, why is their money so dear to them? So you're not supposed to be having such a connection to your money. So, Gebra says, Vechol kach lama. Why is it so dear to them? Because they earn their money honestly. They don't steal. And therefore, to them, it's very precious because they don't use any shortcuts in making their money. They earn their money honestly, and therefore it took time to, to earn that money. So therefore, it's really saying their time is precious to them. And since you see, to Rasha, his money is not so precious because he can go steal it quickly and easy come. You know, he doesn't have to invest too much. But the Tzadikim, they earn their money honestly, and therefore, you know, they, they're very careful how they spend it because it took a lot of their time. So really, it's their... It's the time that takes in making honest money that is dear to the tzaddikim. Therefore, when they spend it, they spend it cautiously. Comes the Gemara and says, Rav Ushmuel ben Hamani Amar Davar Rach, Shiachol La'amod Bifne Davar Rach, or Bifne Davar Kasheh. Another reason why they picked the uh, reed basket, wicker basket, because it's flexible. It's able to stand in front of, you know, soft like the water. But if a rock would hit it, it would like, there's a give. Masha'enkin, if they would use regular wood from a regular tree, if the rock would hit it, it could puncture it. And make all, it doesn't have any give. So there was a logic why she was wicker. Because it, uh, you know, it has a little flexibility, right? So therefore, if a rock hits, and as I said, or something like that in the water, it will not destroy it. Right? She pitched it with uh, tar. Right? So it says, Tana, Hava me bifnim, Vezefet me bahuts. Kedeshilo yariah otot sadik reyahra. She put the zefet, that's like the tar. She touched, had a waterproof it. She put the tar, the pitch on the inside, and she put the tar on the outside. Tar smells. Why'd she do that? Why'd she put the zefet on the outside? Because she didn't want the sadik to have to smell, uh, you know, the uh, bad odor of the. Uh, of the Zephet. Vatasim ba'etayeled, vatasim basuf, double language. She put him in the uh, basket, vatasim basuf, and put him in the suf, in the water. Rabir Azar Amir, yam suf. Okay, what, what, what was this referring to? What is the suf actually? Suf is yam suf. Let the sea of reeds, that's the, the yam suf. Rabbi Shuweb al-Rahmani Amar, agam, oh, it was a regular, like a uh, swamp. That has reeds in it. Kedichtiv kane vasuf kamelu. That's a pasuk over there. That calls the uh, any any swamp uh, river has a kanim in it. So therefore, when it says the suf, suf is uh, reeds, not necessarily yam suf. It was a river, wherever, wherever, or swamp that he was placed into it. Good. Vatered bat parol lechot sadayot. Okay, now let's continue the story. So he's floating. Okay. She went to bathe. The daughter of Parot's Batya. She went down to the in the water to bathe. She went to actually bathe and clean herself from the Avodazara of her father. Something came into Batya's mind to go down and convert. So therefore, when she went down to the water, she was actually dipping in the mikveh, Lishem Girut. 
She was bathing and cleansing herself from the Avodah Zarah of her father. You see that when somebody cleanses themselves from spiritual impurities, that's called bathing. Like the Pasuk says that the Benot Tzion bathed themselves from their so'ah, from their sin, from their excrement, which means the spiritual excrement. So therefore you see why it's called, called bathing. It says, and who went down with her? Her na'arot, her maids. Amar of Yohanan, en halichazu ila lashon mitah. Uh, when it says na'aroteha holchot, this means that they actually died. Holchot over here is melashon mita, like it says, uh, like we're going to see. Why did she die? Well, so why did they die? Vechen hu omer ine anuki holech lamut. Right, that's by Esav. Esav says ine anuki holech lamut. You see the word halicha sometimes is connected to death. Vatere et teba betoch asuf. Now she saw the teba. This is Bacha when she's down there in the water. She sees the teba and like caught up in the in the reeds over there. Kevan de hazu de kabula atzule le Moshe when her maid servant saw that she's making an effort to save Moshe, amru da givirtenu. You know, my mistress, our mistress, minhago shel olam. The way of the world is melech basar vadam gozer gezera. Im kol haolam kudo en mekaimim ota banav ubne beto mekaimim ota. When a king makes a decree, maybe everybody else in the world doesn't follow the decree, but at least his own children are going to follow the decree. He made a decree to kill the children. What are you going to say? You're going to defy your father's uh, will? You're going against your father's uh, will. So the Na'arot were trying to talk Batya uh, out of it. Gavriel came and took all the Na'arot and smashed them on the ground. Killed them. He didn't want them to dissuade uh, so she sent out her ama and grabbed the basket. Machloket, what this means? Some say amata means her hand. She sent her a maid servant to go and retrieve it. So either ama is a hand or ama is a maid servant. amata. I quote him if it was re- referring to maids, or what it said, Shifhata. And the fact that it says, but the Amata, and Amma is a hand. Umad, Amar Shifhata, Midilokitiv Yada. He said, no, if it was the hand, it would have said Yada. So the fact that it was Amma, Amma is like a, uh, a maid, sir. Now, Umad, Amar Shifhata, Ha Amar Bag Gavriel Bahabatan Bekarka. I thought you just said Gavriel killed all the maid servants. Where'd you get a maid servant from? So it says, Dishir La Hada. He left one for her. Why? It's not for a princess to be alone. So if he left the one, it could be one of them was, oh, so you're going to be concerned, maybe that one over there is going to talk out of it. Now one, when she's alone, won't talk out of it. When they have a group, they could pressure her. But one alone, there was no concern that she's going to talk out of it. And another simple answer would be, she saw what happened to the other ones. So therefore, she's not going to talk her out of it after she saw what happened to her friends. According to the opinion that says it was actually her hand, lichtov yada, say yada. What did it say? Amata. Say vaytushat yada. Hakamashmanan deishterbeb ishterbube. Amata meaning her hand extended. Damar mor vechen atam motzib amata shel bat paro vechen atam motzib b'shenir d'shaim. You find two extensions: the hand, the hand of the daughter of paro when she went to reach uh, for the teba uh, was far away. She put, she pulled her hand out. And it extended to bring the basket, as well as the teeth of Og Melech Abashan. They also extended. When Og Melech Abashan came to kill the Jewish people, he came, he lifted a mountain over his head, right? And uh, he was about to throw it. The ants came and they bore a hole in the bottom of the mountain. And what happened? The mountain fell on Og Melech Abashan's head. He tried to lift it off. God extended the teeth of uh, into the mountain itself so he couldn't lift it up he was now lodged and connected to the mountain so just like you have an extension of Og's teeth there was an extension as well of Batya's hand Chaim uh, Shmuel has a famous uh, idea he says he doesn't understand what did she even extend her hand at all it was so far away she says, you know that if you're sitting and you, 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 you want to get something 20 feet away you don't extend it you know you can't reach it so he says the explanation over here, that's all she was able to do. She knew that there's no other way she's going to be able to catch that retriever, so she went and extended herself as much as she can. So his rule is, once a person does whatever he's able to do, 
God takes over. And therefore, you see a lot of times where a person thinks that something is impossible. So they give up before they even try. And therefore, we learn from over here, you don't give up. You try as much as you can. Like the saying goes. And then Borei Olam takes over, which means success is not up to us. What's up to us is the effort. So as long as you make your effort, then already Borei Olam will uh, you know, open up new doors and things that you never thought of to make it to make it happen. So you see over here a beautiful interpretation from the Hachamim uh, when the Jewish people were coming out of Egypt. Uh, and the sea was splitting. It says, Vayar Yisrael Asher So it says, Vayar Yisrael, and the Jewish people saw Tayyad Gedola, Asher So the Mefarshim explained over here, what is this Yad Gedola? That when the Jewish people were coming out of Egypt, they remembered the first miracle how the Go'alan Shisrael was saved. What was the first miracle? The extension of the hand of Bacha. So when they came to Kirat Yamsu, they thanked God not only for the miracles that took place now, but for the miracles that took place in Egypt, Vayar Yisrael etayad gedola, they remember the big hand, the outstretched hand of Batya Patparo, and therefore they uh, praised God for that as well. Vatiftach vatirehu etayilid. Okay, now let's go. It says she opened the basket. Vatirehu etayilid. Now vatirehu is like a double language. She saw and she saw. I should just say vatirim vayilid. Just say and she saw once vatirim. No, she saw two things. She saw Moshe, and she saw the Shekhinah with him. Says, and behold, a lad was crying. Na'ar is like an older one. Make up your mind. One person says Yelid. Calls him a child. And one person calls him a Na'ar, a little older. He was a Yelid, but his voice was very mature. Like a Na'ar. So what does that mean? Moshe Rabbein was a Levi. The Levi uses his voice. If the voice of the Levi is not, is not uh, proper, there's a flaw with it, so he's flawed. Now, it's not, it's not normal for a child to have a voice that's very deep, like a, like a Na'ar. Therefore, he says, what do you mean? According to your explanation, you made Moshe Rabbeinu Ba'almum. You were posselling from the uh, Levi. Because again, the voice has to be according to his age. It's not normal for a, for a little baby to have a voice like a, like a 15-year-old. Wow. She made a she treated him like a, 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 an older person. She thought she's never gonna see his wedding. So therefore what she did was she, she want, her mother wants to make a hupa for a child. So she made in the teba itself like a mini hupa, like a canopy for a wedding. We call that hupat ni'urim, the hupa of the that's what says not. She said, maybe I'm not going to be Zohar to see his uh, wedding, so therefore I'll make him the, the chupa over here. And in truth of the matters, what she said came true, because she did not see his wedding, because Moshe Rebbe got married in Midian. So she had mercy. This Batya had mercy on Moshe. And she said, This child is Jewish. So Gibran says, How did she know? Especially what we learned earlier, that Paro made the Gezerah, on all the people, right? The Pasuk says that Vaisab Paro Lechol Amos, the Egyptians are also in the water. So, how did she know that he was indeed Jewish? Amar Biyosim Yohanan Shilata Otomahul. She was circumcised. Yeah, you might come along and say, so maybe an Egyptian was born circumcised. Yeah, but she saw that even though he was once circumcised, they do have to still make piri'ah. They still needed to make. So, she saw there was, a, there was something done. If, if an Egyptian was born Mahul, they would not make any piri'ah. So therefore, she knew that it must be Jewish from the Beit Bira'ah. So it says, Miyaldea Ivrim Zeh. Right? She says, This one. So the Gibbara says, She made a prophecy without even knowing what she said. And she said like this, nofel ve'en aher nofel. Amazing. She said, This is the only one that went in, is going is to, was subject to the Gezerah. It was, the only, it was the only basket that was in the water. No other child died. This is, this is the one. What does it mean, this is the one? That was the only one that was subject to the Gezerah of What does it mean? He was the only one that was in the Gezerah. The Pasuk says like this regarding the false prophets of the Egyptians and the stargazers. 
דרשו את האובות ואת הידעונים, המצפצפים, the person is trying to belittle these soothsayers and these uh, fortune tellers and things like that. He says, you're going to go to these people, המצפצפים, they chirp. והמהגים צופים ואינם יודעים מה צופים. They look, I don't even know what they're looking at. מהגים, they prophesize with their mouth, ואינם יודעים מה מהגים. Which means he's trying to show us that these stargazers of Paro, they saw something about the ultimate leader of B'nai Israel, but they didn't see good. Why? They saw in the stars that the ultimate uh, redeemer of Israel is going to be punished by water. So therefore, says, okay, take all the boys, put them in the water. They will figure they're going to make the prophecy happen. Once they put Moshe in the water, the stargazers came to Moshe and said, okay, we don't see it anymore. Which means, they came to Paro and they said, uh, we don't see anything anymore. Which means, he's in. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the Gezerah ended. Like the sign that they saw initially. So they said, Batlu the Gezerotai. So they, they were Mevatel the Gezerah. But they didn't know. They saw wrong. It wasn't the water of Yamsuf. Moshe Rabbeinu did get punished by the water. Which water? When he hit the rock. So you see, the prophets of the Goim, they see, they don't know what they're seeing. They messed up. Which means they thought it's the water, so they put them in the water. It wasn't that. It was the water of the future in Memeriba. So therefore, once Moshe Rabbeinu's basket hit the water, what did they say? Stop the Gezerah, it's over. Now, the Hainu the Amar of Hamab Rabbi Halina, my dictate, at the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life, what does it say? Hema Memeriba Asher Avu. It says, this is the Memeriba, right? The waters of, squ- of, of quarreling, right? That they fought with Moshe Rabbeinu. So it says, Asher Avu. Hema. Shira'u, it's, that, 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 that's how we know that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu got punished by the water. So it says, Hema Shira'u, it's the Paro Vita'u. Right, they made a mistake. The Hainu, the Ka'amar, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Sheshmiot Elef Ragli, that there were 600,000 Jews, Ragli. What does Ragli mean? On foot. But the Gibraltar Doresh, Amar Lim Moshe Yisrael, Bishvili Nitzaltem Kolechem. Because of you, because of me, you were all saved. Ragli is another way of saying Big Lali. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu saved? Because of... Why did, how did Moshe Rabbeinu save all the Jewish people? He was saying, there was a Gizran all of you. They were throwing the Jewish children into the waters. Once my basket hit the water, the Istagninim came along and said, Okay, it's over. So therefore he says, Sheshmot Elif Ragli. So you tell the people, hey, listen, your existence, you got to take me because I stopped the Gezerah. Comes to Safot and says a phenomenal Hadush of it. What do you mean? He caused the Gezerah also. Mm-hmm. Well, great to take credit uh, for, for, for stopping it. But whose fault was the Gezerah in the first place? Because you're Moshe Rabbeinu. They saw that you're going to be punished the worst. They threw all the children in. So Moshe Rabbeinu says a fantastic Hadush of it and says, no. The first one that was thrown in the water was Moshe. So therefore, once the Gezerah started, the first basket was Moshe, and then the Gezerah stopped. So therefore, nobody died, according to Tosafot, in the Gezerah Paro of Kolabena Yilod, Hayona Tashlichu. Jeez, there was other things that Paro did, but this did not uh, succeed. This was, uh, was uh, and going back, now we can understand, you understand what Miriam said. Miriam said to Amram, you're a tzaddik, your Gezerah is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. And she was right. It was not mitkayim. His gizrah failed. It didn't happen. He made the gizrah. They threw one baby in. They're ready. It's like it's over. They're not going to anything. We got him. So therefore, he says uh, he was saved.